0: There's something like fluff and fold, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. Which is a contraction of the of the Googleplex, which is a one with a hundred zeros after it. Yes, it Not is. Not to be confused with a Google, which is a different number.
1: Yeah. And also a Russian author. Uh, and I'm the, Brett. And this is Fools of Tools, a podcast for the spiffing... Scabbler. Scabbler. Oh so, gentlemen, how are uh, what wait? Yeah, that's it. That's 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 the introduction. Gentlemen, how are we? How is everyone? Al, how are you and your
0: weird looking drink? It's fru, the uh Kölsch beer. Yeah. Um it's very delicious. I thought it was Fruly for a second. Can you no. remember
1: when Frulys were a thing? And fucking everywhere, Stockton?
0: No. But then again, I don't live in France. Um, uh, no, fuck you. This was in the north bar <laughs> in Leeds. Okay. My week has been a little bit bittersweet, um, to be honest. So I have uh, a neighbor across the way called Dave, who is one of those blokes who's lived 10 lifetimes and got a story for every one of them. Yeah. Um, he's been in the forces. He's been a scout leader. He's been a chef. He's lived abroad. He's been an engineer. Um, fantastic man. Mm. And he's always been popping his head over the bonnet whenever I've been working in the cars. He's um, he's an amputee, so he's in a okay. he's in a chair. He's in a, like a little buggy thing. Yeah. So every now and again, I just see this little head pop up whenever I'm working <laughs> in the car, and he's like snooting around in the bonnet. Um, and I've not seen him for a couple of weeks, um, and then I got a message off his wife saying, "Can you come and help us?" I was like, "Oh, fair of." Um, he's had a fall, yeah. and and he's a big lad, um, and she's like, "Oh, can you help pick him up?" I was like. Probably not, but I'll yeah. come and try. Um, and then I get I get in the house and he is like a third of the weight that he was. And oh, I, I've shit. not seen him for a while. And he basically tells me that he's got cancer and he's like only got X amount of time left to live. And it just totally threw me. And I was like, you know, just try to kind of think of funny things to say in a typical <laughs> owl fashion because that's yeah. how I deal with stressful situations. Um, and you know, so I, and I, and the, it didn't really hit home until I picked him up off yeah. the floor yeah. and I was like, this, this is a big fucking guy. And I was just able to pick him up and put him back in the chair. Yeah. Um, and, and then obviously just like sat and spent time and talked to him about it and things. And, and then since then every day I've been sort of just going in and helping him get into bed get into his little buggy get into a chair get into the sofa and stuff and he's got a stair lift and so like every day he has to come up and down the stairs yeah and get from one mobility scooter to another mobility scooter that he has upstairs so there's like six different transfers of dead weight just for him to go and sit in front of the tv um so that's just been kind of a lot of back it's literally literally the house across the road um, yeah, yeah so it's not difficult but it's um it's very much any hour of the day mm-hmm. middle of the night um you know i've, I've just been in meetings at work i would just like yeah just turn off my camera and just <laughs> disappear for sort of <laughs> 10, 15 minutes and come back um but it's it's also like i said it's been bittersweet it's been really nice just spending a lot of time with him and and yeah. hearing his stories and, and he's been showing me all these kind of He's got a garage full of tools, and I mean literally full. Like he can't get in there anymore, and it's just wall to wall tools. Uh, He's got a um, a motorhome parked outside that he's been working on, and he's got all the modifications because he's limb different. Yeah. So he's just bodged together like
2: uh,
0: pedals for it, like (laughs) completely not like approved or like, you know, official or safe or anything like that. And it's all just like so, like Hack Shack, and everything's just like right up my street. Brilliant. um, but then he, he he kind of showed me all his other stuff that he's made, and he he builds like dollhouses and, and beautiful, mm-hmm. intricate, like feats of engineering and electronics and stuff. And he's just a wonderful guy. So I'm kind of trying my best to to, to kind of spend as much time as him as I can. Yeah. Just because it's nice and it's the neighborly thing to do, but also because he's just he's a fountain of knowledge and a yeah. He likes to spin a, a bloody good yarn as well, um, nice. as is tradition with gentlemen of that ilk. But <laughs> yeah. um, you just got to get past the kind of mild senile racism that creeps yeah. in with, with old people. Yeah, <laughs> just a bit of a shame. Um, is he? But uh, I, I put that down to is it, senile. Yeah. Is he
1: a proper Yorkshireman as well?
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, brilliant. Um, but but weirdly generous. So maybe no, he's not oh. a Yorkshireman at all. Um, just picked but, up the accent. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I've been here long <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's 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 been my week.
1: I mean, I ordinarily I'd be like, oh, that's really good to hear, man. Um, uh, that's not good to hear at all. It's it. Well, it's nice to hear that you have got to spend some yeah. uh, more time with him and everything. But yeah, that fucking sucks, dude.
0: Yeah, I, like, and I I don't I don't know how to cope with it because I don't know how long he's got. Yeah, and I don't know when he's just like I say spinning a yarn or yeah. you know I mean there's ambulances here every day. Yeah, um, we just this morning we just installed the bed downstairs, so he doesn't have to go up and down anymore. Yeah, so at least he'll be more comfortable downstairs. Um, but it, like his wife has put her back out, so she can't do anything. Fucking It's just like give these guys a fucking break, you know? Yeah, and I just um, yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm struggling to cope with it, but just just because it's the unknown. Yeah, and like as I say, it just I didn't know there was anything wrong with him. Until yeah. I hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden I'm getting this phone call. Um, Shit, man! But it's one of them where like he's he's still smoking forty a day. Oh fuck right? yeah! You know, you know, it's like well, you're not going to take them off him now. It's, <laughs> no, I say was, was <laughs> like,
1: when, when you're at that point, it's probably going to do more harm than good.
0: Yeah, but the okay. way I, I think, I think um, the cancer spread to his brain, mm. and it's having really weird effects on his mood. Yeah, so he'll literally just like burst into tears for ten seconds, and then ten seconds just like burst out laughing. Yeah. So it's this really trippy like experience just spending time with him because he's like he's hugging you and then he's just like laughing at everything you say. Yeah. Um, and he but he's completely completely aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And he just keeps like apologising all the time. It's like, <laughs> oh sorry, it's nothing I can do about it. Um, oh fuck. You know, he's, he's only like sort of sixty. Aren't it's, it's it's a real shame, yeah. but um, like I say, he's, he's lived a hell of a life. So he's, he's I'm sure, if, even if he goes tomorrow, it'll be a life well lived. Yeah. Fucking.
1: Yeah, I I mean I, I, I don't know what to say to that man, but um but I'm glad he's he's at least got you as a neighbor because uh, yeah, he could ha- he could have a lot worse as neighbors. <laughs> um speaking of which, Brett, how's your weekend been?
2: Worse as neighbors. <laughs> eh? <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, Al, sorry to hear it, but I I really think it's admirable that you're taking the time to go and not only help, but just learn a little bit more about the human. Um Okay, so as far as my week has gone, I mostly finished the deck, um, which was great. It looks glorious. Ah, thank you. It I looks so rich. It. And <laughs> like, like it smells I'm, great. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it really does. So I put out the the armored shoes thing, like the day, the, the last time that we recorded, I think I did it later that day in very typical YouTube fashion. It's like one of my favorite things that I've made in a long time and spent a lot of time on the video making animations. And it has the lowest views of anything in the last six months. So thank you, YouTube. I offset that by working on the deck and just feeling chuffed with how it turned out Are you make a video on that yeah and that'll oh, yeah. actually go you won't believe go these on top Forged 10 decking home. tips you'll probably get like you 10 million views. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, because if there's anything that i'm like i'm very excited because not only did it turn out absolutely the way that i wanted it to in terms of it functions and it doesn't creak or didn't fall the first time i used it but yeah. i'll get to put it on forge stone because it's it's gonna be like the first proper build video i do awesome for the new channel so excited for that i was gonna say in in other typical fashion i finished the entire thing thought i made all of my measurements correctly and whatnot and the doors my little swingy doors that i put very light duty hinges on Hmm. did not really like to open over the deck because i butted (laughs) it up almost exactly even with the concrete pad Yeah. So I damn near finished the entire thing and then tried to close the doors and they got (laughs) stuck. And I was like, damn it. So uh, I actually poached Jess and she came over and we put new hinges on the doors. It works properly. Did a little bit of trimming of the excess wood on the bottom. So now everything works properly. I'm excited to have that thing done. Aside from that, here's another win for the week. Yesterday, I filed and paid for my taxes for the first time in four years. I've never been able to do that. Yeah, Uh, It's the first time my taxes have been manageable enough for me to (laughs) talk to my tax guy, who's a buddy of mine, and he even said it. He goes, dude, do you want to pay them right now? And I was like, yes, (laughs) because for the last three years, I have had to be on an installment plan and pay them over the course of like a year. So that's actually... One of those things that may not seem like a big deal, but it is a huge, a huge deal. Huge I'm, deal. Yeah. So I'm, I, I'm,
0: I, forget, I forgot the exact thing. Brett didn't pay them, and now I'm paying 200 quid a month
2: more than, yeah.
0: <laughs> than I was last <laughs> month. I well, totally forgot about it. I was like, "Why am I getting paid less?" Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm working on the power situation. I just sent off a bunch of information to the, um, to the power company out here that they had kind of requested for me, which were. Can you find any property markers, i.e., a bit of wood stuck in the ground that has a nail in the top of it? That was the way they did property (laughs) markers, I guess, a few years ago. And I found it. So that's good. uh, But I had to send them off some information because there may be some variables in terms of cost versus what they have to either fix, change, or maybe they can work with the pre existing stuff. I'm going to hopefully be going on a short little adventure later this week to work with John, Fossil Guide John, on a little side hustle we're going to be doing. But I, he's going to show me some of his properties that exist around the marina and kind of the shipping docks. And I may or may not get to do a bit of treasure hunting while I'm there. <laughs> Materials and and Odds and Botkins. So looking forward to that. I feel like it's been a good week of just achievements and silly things happening jumping around and getting things done
0: oh i did uh, get my i did get my um second jab yesterday actually
2: hey yeah. and they oh, did it second. did not
0: yeah it did not destroy me like the first one did so oh wow my so.
2: second one put me
0: down for two i think minutes. it depends which one you get i think one of them is the other yeah. way around mm. yeah uh i
1: i still haven't even been like had a message about my first one yet this is not fair every fucker's got that their, their, like at least got their first now <laughs> Just, they it care was, more about was,
2: people in Yorkshire than they do. Was, yeah. Well, yeah, naturally. <laughs> um, it was
0: fucking clockwork as well. So the first one I went, it was just typical like doctor waiting room, yeah. blah blah blah. Second time, it was like, it was like going to a concert. There was like queues, yeah. lines, gates, uh, things in and out. I was genuinely in the surgery for a minute. Yeah, like they got legitimate minute. It was like in. It was fucking brilliant.
1: Yeah, they um, they've got them set up in the. Uh, local Morrison's car park mm. uh, at the moment for all the jabs around here, and it is literally like you go in, you park, you're in a queue to get in, you go in, you sit down, you get stabbed, and then you. Leave. What about
0: queue against a wall like a firing squad, and you just get like a rail gun, a mini, a mini <laughs> oh. gun filled with blow darts, and you just like Brr! there you go, it's like like next, fucking minute. brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: that. Uh, That's that efficiency we're all looking for. Yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, so I got distracted by talking. Yeah, no
2: worries. Um, I want to hear about uh, your week, Steve.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's, it does sound like you had a a productive week as well, and oh yeah, a, a good week being able to kind of, like, I say, get out. And it is—it's so fucking nice the fact that things are getting back to normal. Um, because the same's kind of happening over here. Although by the time this comes out, shit might have changed again because we've got a another new strain, but. Yeah, it's starting to open up again, uh, which has meant that at work we've been having um, all the usual discussions about courses and we're getting them booked in now. So we actually know like, right, we're going to be teaching on this day and we've got X amount of people booked in and everything else. So that's really nice. It means like we're actively working towards um, getting that done. And the, the conversation now is, right, well, once we've got through all of the people that we were supposed to teach last year, um, which is going to take most of the summer. Um, do we carry on teaching or mm-hmm. do we convert the teaching workshop into uh, more workshop space because we need more workshop space? Um, right. And at the moment, we, we can, we're we making more money from production than we are from teaching for obvious reasons. And I think certain members of the team uh, had had enough of teaching by <laughs> the end of uh, 2019. So... Yeah, there's kind of this feeling of like, do we really want to start doing that again? But we also were kind of saying like, yeah, but by the end of the first couple of classes, uh, like this round, we're all going to be like, oh yeah, teaching's really fun. I really miss it. It's Um, great
0: for like word of mouth and yeah, and sort of press for want of a better term as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you're actually seeing the the act as opposed to just the product. Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
1: Um, And well, that's kind of one of the things is we're talking about potentially... Rather than doing classes, doing more kind of events sort of stuff um, at at, at the workshop instead. So rather than coming in and, you know, Mm. we'll get eight eight people sat around um, forges and teach each one to make an axe or whatever, we'll do kind of come in, do like a demo, maybe get a chef in, kind of like the the forge and feast idea. Um, But more of a sort of festival kind of supper party atmosphere rather than actually making something, doing yeah, more yeah. demonstrations. Um, and then maybe doing like quick have a go sessions like we do at the festivals with the nails and stuff like that. So yeah, that's all kind of up in the air and being discussed at the moment. Um, but there, there's a real drive to just create more efficiency with the actual what we've what we're already doing. Um and that means like buying new equipment and getting shit sorted. And as part of that, back in February, uh Al ordered a new bit of equipment which arrived on Friday so Ooh. yeah but, okay. so me, me and i were in the office uh doing a load of admin stuff on friday morning and then got a message at uh just after lunchtime from joe saying the press has arrived mm. <laughs> so we basically just like really quickly Not the
0: press up. have arrived yeah <laughs> the press has
1: arrived yeah um so we really, really quickly wrapped up what we were working on and then ran back to, or drove back to the to the workshop, cut off the American plug in it because it's one of their coal iron uh, forges, presses, and um, then spent a good five minutes going, wait, what fucking color is live in uh, America? <laughs> and kind of go, going back and forth a little bit, uh, trying to make sure that I had the right connections in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, suck so I got on a 32 amp socket plugged it in and <laughs> then me and Al just both looked at each other like I, I, I don't want to press start because what if it blows up <laughs> um so very nervously and gingerly pressed start and yeah and then just started squishing a load of metal obviously we kind of had a bit of a play around with it on um on Friday because why wouldn't you um but we're we're kind of already getting quite excited about the the prospect prospect of being able to make tooling for because it, obviously it's got the quick change tooling and everything else and it's just going to make our um a lot of our processes are going to be a much quicker but also they're going to have the amount of man hours involved because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you don't need a striker to do this and you know you don't need someone else to do that and we'll, we'll be able to um to just get stuff done a lot quicker and smoother um mm-hmm. which is fantastic because at the moment like i say we're 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 selling more than we can make, um, which is kind of a great position to be in. But at the same time, it's also really frustrating because it means we're constantly chasing our tails. Um, but it
2: just feels like the right timing to maybe offset the amount of uh, production you have to do versus. Yeah. Like you but... said, it's the man hours thing. But I'm just excited yeah. to see if things just get a little bit smoother and you don't have as many variables to deal with because it is just well, the... more machine driven.
1: Yeah, well the thing is, is it we, because obviously we, we want to be very careful with how we do it because we don't want to we don't want to start just making um drop forged fucking right. stuff. Right. Um so we're being very selective about what processes we um we do with the press. Um just in case just a case of making making sure that it's all still hand forged. It's just you know using the press where it's appropriate and, mm-hmm. and to, to save a bit of time. But obviously, like I said, we, we ordered this back in February when we were still quite quiet and you know we needed it back then now we can mm-hmm. do with about three of them and <laughs> eight, eight more smiths so yeah it's going to be it's going to be fun kind of seeing how that helps improve things um and uh we're going to be getting a vibro polisher soon as well which will take uh, a lot more strain off of um the uh the younger guys as well so yeah things are things are good um it's it's busy 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 uh we're we're even talking that potentially at some point maybe we might be able to start doing some videos again because uh it might free up enough time uh but we will see um but as is tradition once you've brought a new tool we need to go and get a load of old tools so Mm -hmm. uh we went to visit one of uh al's old friends and his old mentor as well uh up in near minehead so kind of somerset devon border um and yeah i got to meet two wonderful old smiths um one of which is uh jim horobin who is one of the founding members of baba um and one of the best and most well well well-known blacksmiths in in the uk uh well essentially in the world uh, but he's a very very well-known uh smith like one of the old guards sort of thing um and it was great getting to meet him and, and talk to him and uh d as well so d is um one of our friends who is this brilliant old welsh boy um that has a a tiny little workshop on an estate in the middle of nowhere it's like yeah, you've got to drive up six lanes and <laughs> through a field of sheep to get to it, sort of thing um but yeah he had this leaky old workshop and he was just in there like doing little bits of copper and silver and uh, a little bit of forge stuff as well um and he's kind of retiring and, and going back to uh just having the stuff in the garage but it was really nice just to kind of get up and and look at one of those old wonderful kind of quirky workshops that's kind of mm-hmm reminiscent of of my workshop in the village um that i i don't get to play in anymore um but it it was just it was so much fun to be in there and let's say talking to these guys about about going back into teaching and about kind of the next generation and how uh how we can start bringing blacksmithing into the the modern era um and all of this it was yeah it was really fun it, it was really kind of inspiring um and, uh, and yeah it, it was just a, a nice kind of re- reaffir- re- I can't say the fucking word. reaffirmation of why I got into blacksmithing and why I love the craft and yes. why I like working with Al um, so yeah it was it was really good to be able to do that um, and then today again because things are starting to get back to normal I, I actually managed to get into the gym And because the booking system has been relaxed over the weekends, so I don't need to book in advance, which is good for me because generally I only know when I've got a free hour, like at the time I've got Mm -hmm. a free hour, like I can't pre-plan shit like that. Um, (laughs) So yeah, uh, got to get back into the gym, which also gave me a a bit of an opportunity to do some homework because we have a special shoppick this week um, from Mr. Halfpenny. Um, which obviously I wasn't gonna prepare for before the day. Uh, so I did all of mine whilst um, getting a
0: sweat just on. talking I was just cr- now. And that's why that, what have you been up to? It went on for 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: you keep so, saying this word normal. I don't think this word means what <laughs> <you're> thinking, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, you think it means. Ooh, that's a really good segue to my first one, Al.
0: <laughs> well, I'll uh,
2: tell you what- You what, said you're spiffing Andre the Giant. <laughs>
1: Yes. Uh, no,
2: uh, I'm spiffing Mandy Patinkin who says that <laughs> line.
1: Uh, oh, do you want to do uh, just a quick intro of the actual Shopic and explain a little bit about it, and then we can go into with pleasure. I, I, I think you've got an order already.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think just just going off the back of you kind of reaffirming why you love what you do and and and. You know the people around you and why you value their their input um and especially with kind of as I talked about what, what I've been up to this week um and just in general the the current state of affairs <laughs> um I think it's time to just have a bit of a retrospect and, and talk about some of the things that we think are spiffing you know we do it every week um but it, it's it's kind of a it's a bit in the show and. I think sometimes we don't necessarily do things justice. Um, I, for one, am, am going to actually in-depth spiff someone who we've already spiffed mm. for that very reason because I don't think a, a sort of one-minute uh, segment is is often enough to, to yeah. really talk about the value and the, the inspiration that, that that we get from some people or some objects mm-hmm. or some, some art forms. Um, so I just thought of the whole episode that was spiffing would be a really nice way to sort of give back. Um, So we're going to chunk it up. We've each got three spiffs, um, and we'll take it in turns. um, And then, yeah, hopefully we'll get get to tell a bit of a a richer story about the things that inspire us. Nice. How
1: beautifully put.
0: Mm. And the order is Steve, Steve, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Brett, Al, Brett, Al, Brett. No. um, The order is Bass.
2: Ah, Bass. I started out. See, and now I wish we would have just... I appreciate the lead-up, Al, but... <laughs> <that's> <laughs> You're it, you can just cut straight from...
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we'll do it properly in the edit. I feel like this is also really good timing because, Steve, I'm sure you listened to Axe and Iron this week. Or if you didn't, it's an entire episode of Shoutouts. It is. Ho, 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 must be something in the air. All right, I'm going to start it out with... Movies, which I know I've spiffed on a little bit before, and we always talk about uh, films or cinematography, comes up a lot, you know, when we're discussing YouTube videos or production qualities of things. Um, I want to kind of guide the conversation a little bit more and put a focus on it. So, movies have been a huge influence on me for most of my life in the way of like being inspired by things like cinematography or acting or the storytelling, you know, maybe even if it's fictional, yeah, it's, it's an escape or it's, you know, it's a new story, something that I've never heard before. And getting these, these moments of feeling something new, feeling something that you've never experienced before is cathartic right so movies just ended up being this thing that i digested and took in as often as i possibly could growing up and i was never really one for books like reading was difficult for me because it was just it's more arduous in my opinion you know i have to sit there and kind of uh, translate what the words mean or if there's too many different characters i don't really have a summary at the end of every chapter to figure out who the hell i just you know learned about and how are they involved So with the proper storytelling, through something like film, you can be told without really being spoon-fed exposition. And this is where the segue thing comes in, Al. Mm -hmm. I think Princess Bride was one of the first movies that I watched that really struck a chord with me on multiple levels, right? And I've since then watched it a thousand times and find something new every time I watch it and something to giggle at. But if you can imagine young me... And anybody that's maybe plus or minus a few years of my age. It was a movie made in the 80s with an all-star cast, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Carrie El is in his prime playing a stable boy farm boy that turns into an all-black wearing pirate. There weren't a lot of leading men that I felt like were, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. So that one I think captured it a little bit early because you had Fred Savage, you know, so you have the young kid that starts out the movie and then Peter Falk reading the story to him, which my grandfather at the time used to uh, read us stories or tell us stories at night when we'd stay over at his. And so there was something very, there was a connection to be made there, right? It was like, oh, I have a very similar experience. My grandfather does this kind of thing to me, but then it's, it's this adventure, you know, and it's this It's this roundabout tale of of romance and pirates and giants and sword fights and everything. The choreography is great. I think all of the character actors within it, especially like Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal (laughs) playing the old man who just steals the show for the 10 minutes he's on the screen. That movie is so powerful. For me, nostalgia being what it is, you know, I definitely have some rose colored glasses on. And there's there's been people that have watched it later on in life that are like, I didn't think it was that good. or I didn't understand the (laughs) draw. It's the same thing with Goonies. You know, I've talked about Goonies before. I love that movie. And those two happen to be ones that I watched very often when I was little. The idea that if you kind of miss the boat, I'm not trying to make a pun, but if you kind of miss the boat on those. I still think there's something to be appreciated. I'm going to focus this back at Princess Bride. the The idea that I saw that movie when I was young, and then as I grew up, I realized that Peter Falk was in various things, you know. And I watched a few of those movies. Cary Elwes, before he kind of disappeared in the late '90s, early 2000s, I was following a lot of what he did. Fred Savage went on to do. Little Monsters, which was a hysterical movie with um, Howie Mandel. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but that movie is weird as shit (laughs) and totally a unique idea. But then he made The Wizard. The Wizard was a video game movie about Super Mario Brothers 3, (laughs) which like that game was amazing when I was little. So my little world of, of like Kansas, you know, sitting in the basement drawing photos of things turned into I started to follow an actor. I started to follow different people and what their work was. And then also get more inspired by the projects that they were working on. And then the visuals of something like princess bride, which is a fairy tale movie moving into the wizard where even in college, 20 years later, I bought a power glove off (laughs) of eBay and dressed up like Lucas because I figured that was the cool thing to do at a Halloween fancy dress party. These things have just existed in my life since then because they have this influence or this inspiration or this thing that I just go back to and either find comfort in or for lack of a better phrase, it's like, this is, this is really influenced a lot of my life. Like I care so much about the story of Wesley and the dread pirate Roberts that I got fascinated by pirates. And now I like (laughs) doing pirate nautical things. And I would love to, you know, make his sword at some point in the future or, You know, make genuine references to that movie (laughs) specifically and do a sword fight with Al with our long flowing locks jumping all over the hack shack. But my spiffing of Princess Bride is larger than than just the movie itself. But I think it was the first piece of media movie specifically that really, really sculpted some of my young life. Yeah. what was the first thing that you guys watched or what's something you can look back at now and go, I did not realize how important that was to me. Movie specifically.
0: Hmm. I mean, two of my three spiffs are exactly on that theme. Not movies, but things yeah.
2: that I didn't realize
0: had were having an effect until later in life. Um, But movies for me, I think something like Dark City.
1: Oh, wow. Yes. A-
0: Alex Proyas film. That's um, a great film. Because it was like 2000 ish yeah. 99 maybe um pre matrix i think yeah and it was just on the cusp of like when you could buy dvds mm. so i think i think you could rent dvds in blockbuster but i wasn't sure i, I think you could maybe buy one or two and they were like 25 pounds for one dvd yeah. You know? yeah. and it was on two discs and you had to flip them over <laughs> um I, I remember um but that film it kind of captured everything that i thought films were about when i was a kid this did magic talk- and imagine gone
1: sorry i was just gonna say so did you so the first time you saw dark city was because
0: you bought it on dvd yeah i bought it on dvd for like 25 mm-hmm. quid and i'd never seen it before
1: so i because i the first time i saw that it was it was on like cha- i think it was like channel four yeah uh, uh and this is back when there was only fucking four. oh no it was when channel five had just come out yeah um but it was it was on at like it, I think it started at like eleven o'clock or midnight or something like that. Cause I just remember it's like, a very midnight film. <laughs> yeah, like starting watching it after coming back in from a night out or a night at work or something and watching it and going, Fuck, this is this is really good. Like I put it on for ten minutes and just ended up staying up till two in the morning watching
0: the whole thing. It had it had people in it that to me weren't um Hollywood actors mm. at all. Um yeah. apart from Kiefer Sutherland but yeah. you know it, it was it was more um he was just a sporting role yeah mm-hmm. and it was a director that wasn't like you know of that era like michael bay <laughs> you know or um what's he called um english director lockstock and that at the time uh, richie Ritchie. yeah that that was kind of that era of those kind of films to yeah. mm-hmm. so this was almost like an independent film and it was just mm-hmm. so creative and it it felt like what my imagination feels like Mm-hmm. It felt the way things moved, and the the the, the weight, and everything was like practical effects. Yeah, it right. was pretty shitty CG, and everything had like this. It's very much like all the the um, creative direction in things like Inception and um, Doctor Strange, and that kind of world bending. Yeah, you know, really extreme Escher esque things. Which again, as a kid, I loved Escher. Yeah, and then seeing this film come to life, it was like this is fucking, and, and the story's great. Um, and then, what's the leading actress called? Ah, the, fuck. the one from Labyrinth. Yeah, Jennifer uh, Connelly. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly. Obviously, to a sixteen-year-old gentleman, <laughs> seeing Jennifer Connelly, possibly the sexiest role of all time in Dark City. Yeah, she's she's playing like a blues singer, jazz singer, or something. Yeah. It's like fucking hell. Um, I loved it. Fucking loved it, and and it did everything that you're talking about, Brett, and it and it and it's influenced my creativity and my shot like shot choice and lighting choice and color yeah. palette. Yeah, and, I mean, and, you know,
2: think it, about. I think,
0: you, I think I think you, that film is what I think Tim Burton thinks in his head. Tim Burton films are like,
2: Yes. probably, <laughs> probably, yeah. See, I like that you bring up the aspects of the the practical effects and kind of the way your brain works or your imagination works. Like if you can unpack the princess bride and I'm glad you brought up labyrinth too, because labyrinth is on that same kind of influence list, but it's, I mean, it's the puppetry. And I think you, that's one of those ones that you really had to have seen at the time. I I know plenty of friends of mine that have tried watching it now that are like, no, 100% (laughs) no, they can't appreciate David Bowie's bulge. But (laughs) Jennifer Connelly, did a great job in that one as well. Anyway, mm-hmm. Princess Bride. I feel like if if you unpack it, it's a lot of how my imagination works, right? Everything in that movie is practically done. You have a princess that doesn't really want to do the typical princess thing. She goes against the norm of this arranged marriage. And Wesley isn't even the real Dread Pirate Roberts. He tells the entire <laughs> story of how that works. and. You get that little backstory of going, oh, you don't really have to be that. It's it's what Batman did nowadays. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just have to wear a mask. That's all that matters. Yeah. It doesn't matter who plays Batman. It's the mask. It's the symbol. So there's deeper meanings that I've clearly looked into or that I've clearly developed for this movie. But then you realize that the entire thing is a fairy tale being told by a grandfather to his grandson, come right? And, they, and it starts out with Fred Savage going, I don't want to hear a story about kissing and princesses. <laughs> and then by the end of it, he's like, can you come back and do it tomorrow? Yeah. So there is a huge heart tug at the end where you're just like, Oh my God, I, <laughs> this is actually a story about a, a kid and his grandfather. And, like, yeah. They spent this entire sick day together. It's beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, I, I know it's at top level it may not mean as much to other people, but being able to look at it and go, that's how my imagination works. Like yeah. I want a giant. Well, I don't think of a 50 foot tall giant. I think of a slightly larger than the <laughs> normal man, like Andre, the giant who was not an actor by many, any means. Yeah. And he did. He <laughs> fucking stole. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he large, stole man. damn near every scene that he was in the whole, like yeah. anybody yeah. want a peanut yeah. is yeah. hysterical. And and the trials and tribulations with the Sicilian and then yeah. Inigo Montoya, who even people that haven't seen that movie probably have heard the whole, yeah. my name is Inigo Montoya. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what uh, what's our Mandalorian friend was doing in, yes, 100%. in yeah. Game, of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah see, I, I love that. Because the fact that you both of you have, have picked films that uh, easily in my all-time top 10 is fucking fantastic because like i think uh when you asked about like film other films like that that had like the first films that had an impact um my my head instantly went to uh to blade runner because i can remember the first time <laughs> i saw that i can remember the the effect that that had on me i <laughs> it's I go, the third one on this list <laughs> yeah um and Yeah, you know, I, I can remember that being one of the films that made me go Oh fuck, yeah, you know, you know, it doesn't have to be all f- like because it was the first time I'd seen anything that was even vaguely kind of noir-esque. Um and I think it was within a month of seeing Blade Runner for the for the first time that I saw Dark City, mm. and it was just like, holy fuck, and it completely oh, um went for me. But looking back at it and thinking about it a bit more, like I I genuinely think the film the first films that had a serious impact on um of me and, and my kind of um perceptions and conceptions of, of how that kind of media can be consumed was um so i've talked a little bit about it before but my dad um when i was growing up was obviously a farmer he worked you know 14 16 hour days seven days a week um he he worked fucking hard and i i you know it, it was very rare that he was actually would come in and sit down and um and quite often on like a a friday or a saturday night uh, he'd come in and if there was a um a western on tv or yeah you know, if we had a western dvd or, or or video vhs back in those days um he'd stick that on and yeah. mum would refuse to watch it so normally it would be me and dad watching a um like a Sergio Leone film <laughs> uh in the kitchen cuz we had like a little breakfast bar thing so we'd be sat in the kitchen watching it on like a thirteen-inch fucking CRT uh, mm. TV that was just on the side in the kitchen with just me and him, and um, and yeah, I think it was like those films that made me realise that okay, that you can you can tell the story without it just being all dialogue, and you know, it, it you don't need to talk constantly. You can do so much with just music and with camera shots and angles and like start to show me how those different. And um, like even just like the the length of the shot can tell a story. And I mean the the I can't remember the, which fucking film it is now. I want to say it's the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, but I know it's not. Um, it's Once Upon um, a Time in the West. Thank you. I that yeah, <laughs> uh, like that intro was just yeah. oh fuck, and it was fucking brilliant. And like back then, any kind of film that was pausing for that long, like that was that slow. Like I probably any other kind of film, I would have got bored and I would have been like, no, I don't like this. But because I was watching it with my dad, I was like, well, no, I, I want to enjoy this experience with with him. Um, so I kind of forced myself to sit and watch it, and that made me go, oh fuck, actually, this this is really engaging. This makes sense. This is building tension. This is doing this, um, and like that kind of um, visual storytelling. The the fact that you're you're telling the story without it being all um,
2: Christopher oh. Nolan. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah, you, know, you you're not fucking talking over it and explaining the story. You're not it's not all action. It's not all fucking uh, like the director acting, version of like Dan that. Brown. Yeah, like it's yeah. It like that that had a, a big impact on nice. uh, both the, the kind of films that I, I like now and how I try to produce videos as well.
0: I wish I'd seen something like Once Upon a Time in the West when I was a kid. Oh, because I would have appreciated that, yeah, that sort of tension building and that 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 those bits in Blade Runner where nothing's happening just from a, yeah. a, a tiny thing is just floating across the screen and it's raining. Yeah, and it's just like oh atmosphere. But, All right, I get it.
1: Well, that that's what I that's why I think I enjoyed Blade Runner so much when I saw it when I was at that little bit older. I think this is such a good shout because i very very nearly chose uh cinefix as one of one of my ah uh, uh, fair enough to yeah. talk about, just be, for exactly the same reason because it's so easy to get so uh passionate about about films and and everything else because of i mean we 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 could talk about films for fucking hours uh between yep. three of us but
2: but well, we should um, move on we should so
0: <laughs> al you're next I think so on that note so Brett I think you talked about n- not necessarily being that much into books as a kid and oh, films was yeah. your know, escape. Um I was the opposite. I I didn't have a TV as a kid um so anything I did watch was basically I had to watch what my parents watched when my parents watched it. Um and I wasn't allowed video games as a kid so my escape was books. Um and I never really read comics as a kid. I read comics as in Comic strips like Garfield, Calvin yeah. and Hobbes, you know yeah. the Bino. Um and and even as a kid, I f- fully appreciated how much they were teaching me. Yeah, like Calvin and Hobbes is not just like fart jokes and no. like silly things happening in funny situations. It's psychology. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and it's 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 so fucking clever. It's so clever. It's so charming. It's so. Fun. It's taught me a, lot, a fucking hell of a lot. And, yeah. and and the Beano as well, although again, that was very much more funny fart jokes. There was still a lot of adult themes in there. And I think I learned a lot from reading these and not understanding what words were coming across them again and then building on it. Um, And I never, I didn't know what a graphic novel was until I was like 20 years old. Yeah. Um, I think my only experience of a graphic novel was the graphic novel version of the hobbit i don't know if you've ever read it <laughs> yeah it's good it's quite it's quite like yeah, yeah. edgy it's not like it's not like the cartoon shitty fucking horrible fake mm. disney one that they made that wasn't the Bakshi, lord of the rings <laughs> but the other one i can't remember yeah. return of the king it was just dire um that i think that was the only graphic novel i ever had as a kid was was the hobbit um and then i was in the i was in sheffield library circa 2001 maybe so like 18 18 yeah. years old um, and I just stumbled across this carousel that had graphic novels on, and I picked awesome. a graphic. I picked a graphic novel up, and it was Sin City. It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. Um, a Big Fat Kill. It was the second one, Dame to Kill for. Oh yeah, yeah. And I opened it up, and it was like there was boobs. Oh, well, it was a bit risky. Yeah. And then there was all these like sort of pithy one-liners, and then there was all this great, um, fucking great lighting. In these black and white pictures. And I was like, how's the yeah. lighting so good in these pictures? I don't understand. It's just ink. And but like it looked like three dimensional. It it looked like they were lit. And I was like, what's going on here? This is really cool. And then I and I I, I took it, you know, I I checked it out from the library to go. I was like, this is fucking great. And I went back and I did all of Frank Miller. I did all the Sin Cities. I did Ronin. Um, yeah. I did his Daredevil Wolverine. And then I got into Batman. I was like, Frank Miller's Batman. I was like, this for me is the the fucking benchmark for Batman, right? Yeah. And it is for a lot of people. It's Batman year one is essentially what all of Christopher Nolan's films are based <laughs> on. Um, but I very quickly read all of the Franklin and the Batman stuff. And Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns is still my favorite book of all time. Never yeah. mind the graphic novel book of all time. The Dark Knight Returns. Um, but then I got onto other, ba- and I'd never read any Batman until this. <laughs> and then I really got into Batman. And I started yeah. reading... um The Long Halloween, which is, so this long story short, this is about a collaboration between a writer and an artist Mm. and it's Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. And Tim Sale has gone on to do great things with other writers yeah, and Jeff Loeb has gone to do great things with other artists. But when those two come together, there's a really special chemistry and it really makes the books a great read. Mm. So. This is like a collection of books, so it's the Long Halloween, um, Dark Victory, Batman, yeah, and then there's like a third one which is Catwoman called When in Rome, and they're kind of like a not really a trilogy, but it's like mm. it's those three guys doing Batman stories, and they're just amazing. And if you've ever played like the Arkham games, and you you wonder how you can get so many characters into a story and it not just feel like they're yeah. trying to shoehorn in, and the Long Halloween is a really clever way of doing it because it's it's every month. Yeah. And every month there's a different story and it's really clever. And it was I think, I think it was a different issue. I think it's a thirteen issue run. Yeah. And then you ended up with this great collection. Um and then Dark Victory I think is going back a bit. So it's a bit more like year one. Um and it's very but much more visceral Batman, mm. less of the kind of cheese and the, the sort of cheesy villains, Dark Victory. Yeah. Um and I think Tim So went on to do Hush, I can't remember. Um do the Alpha Jim Hush. One, yes. Yeah. Um or was that Jim Lee anyway? Um but it, this collaboration has just has just always stood with me. Um and I mean Jeff Loeb went on to be creative director of Marvel television. Yeah. So he's yeah, done yeah. all of Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, you know, all that stuff. That was that was Jeff Loeb. So he knows what he's doing. He knows how to write. <laughs> um and and Tim Saylor's just got this really again, it was like Frank Miller, it wasn't realistic. It wasn't like muscle bound. Comic book yeah. heroes, yeah, yeah. It was, if anything, anything's really scrawny and scratchy. It's almost yeah. like Quint, is Quentin Blake was doing comics. <laughs> um, and he's they've also done Marvel as well. So the, the those two have collaborated on um, Daredevil Yellow and Spider Man Blue and mm-hmm. Hulk Gray, yeah. which are three kind of like color themed um, stories about heroes that we know, but it's very emotional. It's all about the, the human psyche of these three. Mm. Really clever, really visceral. But again, just great. Um, so if you've not read The Long Halloween, I'd start there. Yeah. Really, 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 really good book. Um, it introduces you maybe to some Batman villains that you'd never come across before, if you're new. Um a Dark Victory is just a really, really, really great book. And then Catwoman is kind of like, again, if you've never read a Catwoman comic, yeah. it's a it's a good entry drug into into Catwoman, but yeah um, it would make you
2: feel a lot better about the terrible movie that came out
0: <laughs> yeah a lot better <laughs> yeah and, and and also who
2: selena really is it's not yeah. yes not yes. Halle berry it's not yeah. even michelle
0: pfeiffer really right no. no. um it's a much more sort of sassy version of of it and and i think again a lot of inspiration has come from those books for what nolan did with batman
1: yeah i i, I think that's a, a fucking brilliant shout like the long halloween is again it's one of my favorite um uh graphic novels certainly one of my favorite batman novels um i've not actually read dark victories i'm gonna have to
0: really go yeah, yeah it's um it's a totally different format to long halloween yeah but it, it's um yeah it'll it'll hit you in all the right places it's yeah really really fucking good i mean uh, like when i think of sort of collaborations comic wise i think of like yeah Frank Miller and Lynn Varley, so all the stuff they worked on together. Yeah. Um or Frank Miller and like Jeff Darrow or um David Mazzucchelli in like Batman year one. Like the, mm. I I, un- I can see the art. Yeah, when yeah. I read the story and I think yeah. that's different than a movie. Yeah. Because I think that an artist collaborating with a writer is a much more personal and deliberate thing. So if so I think of like um Alan Lee's art when oh. I think of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we all thought of Alan Lee's art before Peter Jackson went anywhere near it. And I think Peter Jackson thought of Alan Lee's art. <laughs> and I, I think he even like advised on the films. Yeah. Um, he did. Like, yeah. Yeah. They brought him in. No, no, no. This is what the
2: hobbit hole should look like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> his whole, yeah, his yeah. whole thing on the behind the scenes, where it's just like, these are not how trees are made.
0: Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. he gave them
2: an entire rundown on what Fangorn Forest needed to look like. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I think know. that's important because that, that that's part of the storytelling.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, not, I think... it's not someone got the source material and put pictures to it. It's obviously you don't speak, Steve, so go on.
1: No, no, no I was just going to say, like, I, I love the fact that you're talking about that because, like, it, it's only been in, in recent years where I've started to kind of pay attention to not just, I mean, in the last 10 years, I've started to pay attention to who the director is as opposed to just who the main actor is, mm-hmm. um, in like, obviously with films. um. But also, like now, starting to pay attention to who's the cinematographer yeah. on it. So, like the the writer and artist and cine- uh, director and cinematographer, like that kind of relationship, I think is really interesting, and it is it is really good with um, with graphic novels as well. The fact that you you get that relationship, and it, all of a sudden, it starts making sense. Yeah.
0: Um, well, I've read some Frank Miller Frank Miller books and have struggled to get into it because like, yeah. the art the art just didn't do it justice. Yeah. And even though I like his writing before he went off the rails and went right, all yeah. racist, um, it it was. It needs to be the right images. Yeah, it really does. Otherwise, it's just yeah. like it's just generic comic. Yeah, because
1: mm-hmm. I I think because uh, I I got into to the comics when I was like. 1516 um and because I, I, I still have the first ever issue that i bought um of 2000 ad and I, yeah. I can remember vividly walking into the the local post office and they happened to have it just on the front counter um just there because they just got like a sample one in and i was like oh shit I, i've heard about that i want to buy that and um and yeah like getting to read that because it was different it was a cl- collection of different stories by different artists mm-hmm. every week. And that was really good because it, it introduced me to so many different styles, so many different um, characters. And, and yeah, some weeks, like, just because it was Judge Dredd didn't necessarily mean it was going to be a good Dread story because, you know, the art was shit or the, the writing was shit or whatever because it was different people doing it. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I think – I don't think I'd ever really even thought about uh, the – the collaboration between the two like that's a that's a really interesting point it's something that i i feel like i should have picked up on years ago but never have um,
0: the reason i kind of made it about the collaboration is because i think there's a tendency for collaborations to be about just um promotion yeah so like in music it's like so and so featuring so and so yeah and it's either to get their name in it or to maybe cross-pollinate fan bases mm-hmm. yeah you know mm-hmm. it's not about the they necessarily go together or complement one yeah. another. It's just and, and I think we see that in the maker community as well. It's like collaborate and it's just it's just an excuse to get onto yeah. somebody else's channel. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to really understanding that you're helping doing what they're doing, they're helping you do what you're yeah, doing. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. the, the, the the sum is greater than the parts.
1: Yeah. Definitely. No, that's, that's such a good shout, man. Like and I love the fact that you did um graphic novels as well because like they're again that there's such a
0: good um, I didn't do graphic novels Steve, I did collaboration <laughs> yeah, graphic yeah. novels between Jeff Love and Tim Sale, specifically <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Batman Long Halloween, Dark yeah. Victory and Catwoman Winning Rome, because yeah. if you haven't read them, go and read them, yeah. it's like seven quid, and I mean buy the fucking book, the physical paper object. Oh god, yeah, 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 yeah,
1: um, yeah, I've, I've tried reading graphic novels on like, e-readers and stuff before and it's fucking horrible, yeah, uh, yeah they, you definitely need the thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love that. That's such a, a good shout. So well done, you. I was gonna um, go
0: into because I really like Brett spinning it around on us too, and say, Steve, what's your favorite um you know dark horse comic featuring a man in a flat cap? Um, <laughs> but I know he'd be here all day. So yeah, <laughs> that's just me. Yeah.
1: Um oh god, yeah, I could I fucking I could put back graphic <laughs> novels for so long. Well, we are we ever li- gonna
0: make a goon film or not?
1: Uh, so I'm I'm part of the kits kick, kick, kick starter for it. Right. And basically they, they, they made uh, like a scissor reel um <laughs> and it was it was all going ahead and then it wasn't and I still occasionally get emails being like uh eh, we're still trying but it's Hollywood. So hopefully at some point because I think they'd be fucking brilliant if they did. Um and yeah, yeah, one day I can I can keep my fingers crossed. Um but yeah so mine like i i love the fact that uh brett started off with um uh liking films because he didn't really read books and al saying graphic novels because he didn't really like or didn't really get to watch films and mine is books and just to be clear for everyone listening like we we did not like line this up beforehand we actually kind of left it that we were all gonna like in case we if we double spiffed someone then it was just going to be what it was um so i love the fact that all three of us have gone for this as our first uh first choices um but yeah a lot of the reason that i like so i've got a specific author and uh, a couple of books in mind um but just yeah just generally books because again <laughs> just books just i fucking well i mean we've talked about it before like i I love language. I love how language can be used much the same way that um, like Brett was talking about with cinematography, the way that that can be used to describe something and make it so um, make, make, make you realize the story without having to be told anything, just being shown visuals of it. And the same with uh, books, like giving you such a, an incredible sense of place and of purpose and of fucking everything uh, with just a few well-written lines um and again like like i said with the, the graphic novels i can get super excited about it and i can with books as well because you know certain books had massive massive impact on my life um whether it was um like introducing me to new ideas or reaffirming ideas that i already have um i used to read uh when i was like Early to mid twenties, uh, I used to read quite a lot of philosophy, just because I had more free time and I was a pretentious dickhead. Um, but I really enjoyed it, and I really got into it, and it it kind of helped um, helped me uh, work work through life. Um, but the author in particular I wanted to to talk about was uh, is a guy called Olaf Stapledon, um, and I think I've talked about one of his books on here before uh but he's famous for um uh a few books but the, the two main ones are star maker and last and first men um and i think i read last and first Men* first and it was it was a fucking slog like the first the first 30 40 pages were really fucking difficult to get through um it was it just didn't feel like it was going anywhere it was just a bit the um, and what I really liked about it though is the fact that there wasn't a central protagonist, it wasn't about a single person, it was essentially the, the way it's listed is it's a, it's a very brief overview of the history of mankind from a point in the not too distant future mm-hmm. until after the sun's gone um, boom um <laughs> and and the rise and fall of of mankind and of intelligent life within the solar system and the fact that you know it, it's all in cycles and the fact that you know you get to a certain point you start fighting with one another and you kill each other off and then everything starts again and how different um different types of uh life can uh develop and grow and like so you know, there was a um uh, uh, like an avian intelligence that, that formed, and then getting to the point where there's a society that is is basically um, immortal and not all-powerful, but extraordinarily intelligent and, you know, choosing... Sp- sp- spider alerts. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then choosing... No, seriously, to... I've just bought them,
0: so chill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but, like, you know, the, the, the concepts it deals with in that is fantastic. And Star Maker, again, it it's it, it has a central protagonist but only the very loosest sense and it explores um, these kind of concepts but across a galactic scale and how different types of life can form and how um yeah there, there's uh, like it, not even just a, a single intelligent species but like hive minds and things like this and completely aquatic species and intelligences There's there's one um there's one form of life that's essentially a sentient boat um, which was <laughs> fucking brilliant, but like this, Ray, this guy, did you
2: play wind waker also?
1: <laughs> but, uh, but this guy's like one of the, he's, he's listed as being, um, what was it? I'm just gonna quickly check with it. Yeah, that's it. He was known as, uh, the man who knew too much. Um, so he was a British philosopher and science fiction writer. And, uh, so star maker, for example, contains the first known description of Dyson fears at uh, Dyson spheres. So even, um, uh, what's his name? Dyson. Um, actually, <laughs> James sorry. Dyson named yeah. himself <laughs> Freeman <laughs> Dyson, uh, um, credits the novel with giving him the idea, even stating in an interview that Stapleton sphere would be a more appropriate name. Um, yeah. last and first amend describes early descriptions of genetic engineering and terraforming. And like, so a lot of these concepts, which just hadn't been explored at this point, mm-hmm um you know his contemporaries were people like hg wells and arthur c clark and, and people like that um and i think he's he's one of the lesser known um authors from that time but just an incredible couple of books um i i kind of wanted to go more kind of general with the book idea because i've been listening to a lot of audiobooks recently but i've tried the audiobooks of of this And it just doesn't work for me. This really has to be one that you you sit down. You have to give your full attention to. You can't just put it in your ears and and listen to it whilst you're doing a load of other things. Like it's it's a real because it's conceptual. I mean, yeah, yeah, and it it, it's also because for for me, I need to be able to go back three chapters and go, "What the fuck? Where (laughs) where did that start?" Um, but yeah, like so, Olaf Stapledon, particularly Star Maker and The Last and First Men, just absolutely incredible and I think books as a whole like that sort of of level of books and I think I think part of the reason why I started reading all these books in my um like mid-20s was because when I was in school, I, I I have difficulty um reading and talking and processing information um but in school that was I was never given any allowance for that so it was all—it always felt like such a chore and I was always um uh not discouraged from reading but basically that classic thing of shit teachers in school back then being like well you're just fucking thick and Mm -hmm. just move on sort of thing I had one English teacher that um that was furious with me because she knew that I understood the concepts and had the the cognitive capacity to be able to actually um do uh literature as a subject but i just didn't have the the drive and the i i couldn't keep up because back then i couldn't even you i couldn't type it out on a computer i had to do it all by hand and my anyone that's ever seen my handwriting knows how fucking terrible it is because i can't (laughs) i can't write because i get distracted and and letters end up in the wrong places and i start half a word and finish three sentences down sort of thing which is why i like typing because a i can do it quicker but also i can go back and edit it as and when um but yeah so i, I was put off reading at a young age because i was basically made to, to feel like I, I i was too stupid to be able to appreciate it um and it was only in my later years that i was like actually i don't give a fuck what anybody else thinks and what everybody else says i'm going to read this because i enjoy reading it i enjoy uh flexing my brain with with these kind of concepts and things so um so yeah i kind of had like a, a bit of a uh, renaissance. Renaissance of, yeah of uh, of getting into to reading and novels um around that sort of age so yeah they are my kind of nice. deep dive spiffs um yeah i Again, I was gonna ask if you guys have any books in particular that you really want to shout out, but I'm it's quite aware. That, <laughs> we're uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Brett's got yeah, a jingle for only... that.
0: don't worry about that. Yeah. What's that? Brett's got a jingle for that section. Oh yeah. yeah. But... We anything.
2: We've talked enough about Hitchhiker's Guide, so that would be it. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, go one, go read Hitchhiker's Guide. Right, yeah. Brett, Spiff two. Spiff number two. Uh, we've been dancing around this in our conversation already. Vigi games. Uh, if I have to take some, a similar approach to the first Spiff and giving a little bit of direction, I basically have the Final Fantasy series and the Zelda series, right? These are two very long-running series. But video games ended up being this thing that influenced me a ton growing up, right? And I I'm using these two things as an example because we were lucky enough to have a Nintendo growing up, right? So we had... Mario Brothers. And I remember playing Duck Hunt and having an older brother that was three years older than me. Uh, so I have these I have these beautiful memories of playing the video games with my brother or like my dad coming in the room and even trying to give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't understand how they worked, you know, so it was, it was a family family moments that I can still recall. But similar to uh, my first Biff with the the movie, If I could peg like the first video game that I played that I was like, holy crap, like this one has made an impact on me or this one has made a difference. It was uh, sometime in middle school. So it was sixth, seventh, eighth grade was what our middle school years were. And I played Ocarina of Time. Yeah. And I had played the original Zelda and never beaten it because it was just impossible or at least at the time I just didn't think you could actually beat that game. So I played Ocarina of Time which had storytelling and these slightly better graphics which now you look at it in the exact same nostalgia goggles. Yeah. People that have tried to pick it up now are like this is unplayable. Like this is <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Anyway, it was the first game that I bought myself and played and really enjoyed it, right? Going back to the Princess Bride. Link has always been this blonde or redhead, depending on which game you're playing, adventure kid that goes out and explores his world. You get new items that help you progress through the game. So there's a lot of um, problem solving and, and puzzles and you have to be active, right? You have to press the buttons to execute the things. And so similar to the I don't read books growing up, it was a more active way to engage my storytelling, right? I was in control of the storytelling, and even though I was working within the confines of how they had written the game, I never thought about that when I was little. Nowadays, I'm too jaded, and I'm I play a video game, and I'm trying to figure out what the programmer wants me to do. Well, if the, if the programmer's doing this, then I guarantee there's a treasure chest over here. Oh, look, there's a treasure chest over here. <laughs> I am good at recognizing how they make the game, and and less focused on the adventure aspect of it. Final Fantasy ended up being uh, something that my friends, my friend Chris ended up uh, introducing me to. And the very first one that I played was 10. And I think that was my freshman year of high school. I started to appreciate video games for where they had come from, right? This long-term build that's now, nowadays, has existed for 30 or 40 years of them doing the series is I yeah. just played breath of the wild last year. The wrap up of why I think video games are as important as they are, or as much of an influence to me, it was always something new, but comfortable specifically yeah. with these two. I knew the general characters. I knew the general storyline I was going to be doing right. A young adventurer goes out and needs to save princess townsfolk, whatever the hell it was. But it was the variables that they put into every single game where they wanted to push the limits of either the system or the art style. Maybe we'll deviate a little bit and then do Majora's Mask to follow up Ocarina of Time, which is dark and weird and creepy and makes no sense. (laughs) And then we'll bring it back and do Breath of the Wild, which is a beautiful artistic game. I think video games have been a very good gauge for me to not only have my escapism that I look forward to experiencing when I can, just gets me out of my own head allows me to totally focus on the storytelling being uh, coming from somebody else. And then I get to actively experience what the story is because I'm holding the controller and I I get to pick it up and and control the actions of things. So between the escapism aspects and being inspired by, you know, advances in technology, art style, graphics getting better um, variations because the artistic and the creative teams want to try something new, I think has influenced a lot of my work. It's why I have build videos and animations and some of them spawning from all of this stuff back in the day. Cause I I just think they are, I think there's been more of an impact that maybe the, the lay person or the non video gamer, I don't think they're quite as aware of how impactful they've been. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I love that as a, as a spiff. I mean, it, it's funny. I, I, I used to love, um, the Zelda games. I still love the Zelda games. I just, I haven't, I, I can't afford to get a, yeah.
0: Switch. yeah, just to,
1: cause the only game that I play on it yep. would be, uh, Zelda. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I can't justify that, but
2: I, nope. I still have my, I still have my N64
1: <laughs> and the only game.
2: And you was, have 4 Xboxes.
1: i I do uh the (laughs) the only game that i have in my uh n64 is
2: um ocarina of time
1: well i've got snowboard kids as well but (laughs) i I don't know i don't know why was that that
2: free and a happy meal
1: i think so yeah um but yeah like i i never got into uh the final fantasy games because i didn't like that the battle style um yeah it, Yeah. it, it, it never appealed to me um but I mean the, the Zelda stuff and the the kind of lore behind it and the the kind of Zelda universe that's built up around it. Like I fucking loved growing up, and I weirdly enough, I I very nearly ended up with a, a Zelda tattoo one day. Um, but I uh, like video games had a, a massive impact on on my life growing up as well because yeah, you know, I I lived in the the middle of nowhere. Um, I I couldn't go and see my friends after school or the weekends or anything like that so from an early age I, i had to entertain myself and i was lucky enough that i was around at a time when computers were just becoming a thing and like everyone was starting to get a home computer and that's why i ended up working in it for years purely because i'd fucked around with pcs because i wanted to to um to have some entertainment like the first game i ever remember playing was a game called nibbles which is what ended up being snake on the old nokia phones <laughs> and a game called gorillas which uh it was like a randomly generated cityscape and you had two little gorillas that threw exploding bananas at each other and you had to like depending on the wind velocity and stuff like that and you had to select the angle and velocity and all of this and um despite the fact that there's this huge world of um like really, really high-end games that are out now that are like completely immersive and the graphics are fantastic and all this. I've seen like a growing trend of more and more kind of going back to 8-bit, simple, really easy games. And I think like people playing games on phones has kind of helped with that. And people realizing that actually, you don't necessarily need to have the best graphics in the world, just a really engaging um, story or just really engaging gameplay Can make a world of difference like I fucking love old platformers.
2: You're in the middle of nowhere doing this uh, playing a video game every now and then and If you think of the communal aspect of games nowadays, yeah, there's a lot of massive multiplayer online games that exist where people do interact through the internet Talking on discord servers and you may never meet each other in real life but you you become friends with these people in this community because they share an interest in the game that you're passionate about. Before things went this direction with the internet, imagine or or try and remember what it was like the first time you played a video game, enjoyed it, and then met somebody else that maybe you'd never really known before, and then you ended up talking about the video game that you both liked. It is <laughs> such an in with nerd culture and especially yeah. people that were really individualistic when you're younger and having those escapist moments where you're just like, I just, I don't have anything else to do. I'm by myself, yeah. you know, I'll do this thing. And then I met guys in college where I'm like, Oh my God, you play that game too. And you got that game. We're probably going to be best friends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some like- of that holds some truth, you know, like I still talk to my college roommate and almost no one else but my roommate dylan from college like we still keep up with each other and yeah. we basically met over video games
1: yeah like my one of my oldest friends the the main reason that we talk is because we'll we basically we just want to play old games like fucking dablo together and stuff like that like we you know and that's what we bonded over that's 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 why we got to to be friends like i never really got into Online gaming when I was still living at home because the internet was so shit. And that's yeah. why that's why I don't play online games here because the internet's a so shit um, But like living in town and playing warcraft I spent fucking hours playing that and I made some oh, friends God, yeah. I, I made friends with people that I'm still friends with now Because <laughs> there was that that social aspect and you know, we we discovered other mutual um, Things in common. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, that's a, a great shout um who, who's next? It's me. Is it me? Is it me? It's Oh, Al. Al, you are next.
0: So I'm going to go person now. Um, and it is a re-spiff. And it's quite a recent re-spiff, actually. Um, we talked about Tim Hunkin on the show um, a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I think it's just worth revisiting him as a person. Um, just because of the impact I think he's had on culture and... Maybe it's gone unknown and unseen and almost unheard. Um, So the secret life of machines was a, was a TV show on channel four, channel four being the kind of edgy, more arty creative channel of the four in the UK at the time. Um, And it's obviously, it's very dated now. It's like 30 years old. Um, But at the time there was, there wasn't the internet. So you, you, you didn't know how things worked unless you were a sewing machine engineer you didn't know how yeah. sewing machines worked um and this show like he he literally took apart television like cut televisions in half yeah and, sh- and obviously it was like CRT so again it's not relevant now but at the time it was like this is how an internal combustion engine works this is how a fridge works this is how a light bulb works um and it was fascinating and it was informative and it, but he was doing it fun. It was like, yeah. he was obviously having fun doing it. Um, and all that stuff is now on, on his YouTube channel. So you can revisit this whole show, the secret life of machines on Tim Munkin's channel. Um, but on his channel is also him now doing shows now. And he's a 70 year old man yeah, and he's still like fucking around on pogo sticks and like <laughs> yeah. climbing the walls of his workshop and setting things on fire and having fun as the 40 year old he was back then but he's not like a wacky like kids tv presenter like you know probably on some sex offenders list he's just he's just like us he's just a maker yeah who happens to have a voice in society um when i was growing up and what he's doing now is stuff like the secret life of springs and the secret life of hinges and the secret life of glue and all the things that we maybe take for granted or actually, you know, Brett, you might really appreciate a file or how sandpaper works. And he just goes into it all in real, real in depth. And it's very much like kind of how Laura might talk about something or how like yeah. Adam Savage might talk about something, and mm-hmm. the, the, the sort, that sort of nerdy passion and understanding of a very specific thing hmm. that is just an inanimate object in a workshop until you really appreciate all the thought that's gone into it. And like, oh yeah, that is a hinge. Even though it's just a pin in a hole, yeah, that's technically a hinge, and and he kind of just makes you reevaluate everything. And It's like that that that's a pulley. So, like, oh right, yeah, and that's why this is easy, <laughs> and that's why <laughs> this works and this machine works because of the things in it. Okay. Um, so if you get a chance to go and go back and read, uh, sorry, view his channel, mm-hmm. it's great, and he's yeah. still making videos it's, every week. I think there's a new video, um, but it's him himself. I think that I, I wanted to go back and re-spiff because. Only now seeing this, I've 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 realised how much, um, he influenced me as a kid. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't specifically this TV show because I said I didn't watch a lot of TV as a kid, and this was probably like from when I was like eight onwards. Yeah. But he he curated a lot of the exhibitions at the Science Museum in London, and that's one of my favourite places on planet Earth to go to is the Science Museum. Mm -hmm. Um, and he also had like um an arcade. Where he he'd hand built all the arcade machines. Oh my gosh! So instead of the arcade machines being like flashing lights and video games and punch this and win that, yeah, they were kind of like quasi educational but funny, yeah, weird, miserable English <laughs> games. Like there'd be a game where like a seagull would steal your chips, yeah. you know, or like you had to um you had to dispose of nuclear waste, but it was all mechanical. Yeah. So there'd be a conveyor belt with nuclear waste on and you'd have to, and it would fall off the carriage and you'd have to pick it up with like a yeah. crane, and, you know, and, and he'd made all this stuff by hand, every yeah. single hinge and chain and linkage he'd made. Like, And I think he's recently made a, a an arcade machine, which is Amazon, um, Amazon fulfillment center. <laughs> and it's just a load of chains. Yeah, snaking around, and they've got little man, men with trolleys on, and you've got to That's chase them is. around. You got you got to pack the orders, <laughs> or you get sacked. Yeah, and if you don't do it in time, you get fired, and it prints out a P forty five, P sixty, and it's just this 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 mad sort of like Wallace and Gromit, yeah. um, Rube Goldberg, Heath Robinson like idea, but with all the understanding of how everything works, and the creativity that goes with it. And he's just like mm-hmm. passionate. He's like um, what's the the armorer that um Terry English uh, Terry he's like Terry English yeah. he's just that kind of calm you know reserved sincere bloke yeah who just knows what he's talking about and mm-hmm. he's also funny yeah um because yeah. as soon
1: as you said about him uh, at
0: the beginning like Terry English was
1: the first person yeah. that came to my head was like oh fuck yeah
0: yeah. They they probably will be best buds if, if they yeah. if they knew each other. Um but he but again going back to comics, he he also drew comics mm. and did animations of, of his so during the TV show there'd be little cutscenes of like stupid animations of like Victorian people going into a factory and getting their hands hands cut off because the machines were dangerous. Yeah. And he'd he'd made all that out of paper and it was all like um stop frame animation. So it was yeah. just he, he, he everything was going above and beyond and it's all really shit. Like you you look at those cartoons and it's like, well, this is really like crap and basic and everything's out of proportion. But that's that aesthetic and that style has stuck with me. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I recognize like his paper mache model. So like he would build a um a full life size model of a man in bed that's an automaton and would get up. Yeah. And I and I still recognize that aesthetic of that his style of sculpture, really this really naive style. Yeah. Um so I think I think he was my hero as a kid, but I didn't know it and I didn't know what a hero was and I didn't understand that all the things maybe I was seeing were him. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to a museum, it was his stuff. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't really know that the man behind it was this. It was just this bloke, this yes, Tim mm-hmm. Hunkin. So, yeah, we have to oh, try yeah. and get him on the show. But yeah, no, it'd oh, be yes. amazing. If, that'd if you be haven't, so amazing. If, if you haven't yeah. checked out Tim Hunkin, please do.
1: Because I, I'd never really thought about the fact that yeah, like let you say, the science museums and places like that. The fact yeah. that those those like weird arcade things, like yeah. yeah, I can remember them. I'd never even thought there was about there the was a whole.
0: He, I think he had his own museum in Camden Lock, uh, Covent Garden. Yes, or maybe Camden Lock, maybe both. Uh, and you could just go in and play on these games. Yes, but as a uh, kid, you don't think about that.
1: Yeah, there was a uh, a YouTube video about it. Uh, it's all fucking years ago, right? Um, but yeah, no, um, that's a really good chat, man. I uh, I like that. But I,
0: that, but but also like that is what I think of when I think of London. When I think of London in my yeah. head, I think of it being a kid and these machines that this man made. Like he could have yeah. been anywhere. I don't yeah. think of Big Ben of you know anything that, that like London for me is yeah that man's machines. Mm-hmm. That's awesome.
1: No, I um yeah, good shout, man. I, I like that. I appreciate that one a lot. Um uh right, well, because we we can't use uh our own favorite, each no, of our favorites, that's uh, mine things, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go straight up to mine. And mine's mine's a bit of a twofer. Um, but it's kind of a twofer and also a kind of a threefer, concept, okay. A concept. Um, but, uh, so if I was to say Ethan Supley, would you know who I meant? Uh, he is the guy that uh, I'm pretty sure he also played the fat guy, the fat kid in Power Rangers, but in My Name is Earl, he played Earl's brother Randy. Oh, nice. Um he also played uh like a number of other characters like that he was basically always he was in um remember the titans as well yeah and he's basically always been typecast as the big fat stupid guy um which you know without going into too much of, of my personal history i was always typecast as the big fat stupid guy um and uh a few years back he um he went from weighing like i think at, at most he was like 550 pounds or something like that like he was a big lad uh and he just dropped a shitload of weight and now he's fucking ripped um and the other one is uh kevin smith of kevin smith fame uh who also um dropped a shitload of weight uh quite late on in in life, in life. um and uh and with uh with ethan he he basically was with with someone and she wanted to you know she wanted to go to the beach she wanted to go hiking she wanted to walk up more than a one percent incline and he just couldn't do it and he was like I, I either need to change my life or i i'm gonna lose this woman and again with um uh the kevin smith he uh he had a, a was it double pi- bypass surgery or something like he had a heart attack and was like Fuck! I'm gonna die if I don't sort my shit out, and it's kind of the the fact that it doesn't matter how, and obviously in in this instance, it's it doesn't matter how big you are. There is always time to improve your health. Like it's it's something that I I've struggled with my whole life. You know, like I've always been a, a bigger guy, and like in in my mind's eye, I I, I see myself being far worse off than rationally i know i am um in terms of my my health and my size and stuff like that um i i i have a very poor self-image um but like it, it's just the, the fact that actually with you know people like this are showing you that it doesn't matter how big you are it doesn't matter how late in life you're doing it like there's few simple changes you can do and it has a huge impact on your life and on your health and like, I mean, we've talked a few times about the fact that, you know, I, I enjoy going to the gym and I do. And I love that feeling of um, like, that's why I'm in stinky gym clothes at the moment because I, I went to the gym before mm-hmm. recording. Um, but like, I love, I love that feeling afterwards of feeling knackered, but feeling like you've earned that that um, that exhaustion. Um, mm-hmm. I love what it does to to my mental health because it releases serotonin, it, it, it makes me feel better it makes me you know i don't then feel guilty if i have a mars bar during the week or something like that like it's it's the fact that it just um like going to the gym working out like it whether, doesn't matter what it is like any form of exercise it's just so fucking good for you mm. um and it's something that that people think of as oh yeah well you know i don't <laughs> the amount of people that uh that like don't want to lift weights because oh i don't want to end up like looking like Arnie you're not going to like trust me there is no way that you are going to do that much fucking weightlifting to end up looking like him like just doing a little bit can improve your health and it's 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 the kind of the what happens on the um the inside is just as important as the the physical um transformation I mean there's Mm -hmm. you know being completely honest that outward appearance um changing that can have a huge impact on on what's going on inside as well. But it's it's realizing that, you know, the the only the only person that you need to be better than is is the person that you were yesterday. And that um that kind of very self-focused improvement um is is something that I think is really important. And and like I say with with these two guys, I I kind of picked them in particular because they both did very simple changes, but they had dramatic impact like uh i there was a, a video i watched um with ethan in uh last week um where you know, he he said like he tried so many fad diets and things like that and then he realized that food wasn't the problem it was his relationship with food like he used to eat um when he was on set he would like get go to craft services get uh, all his food and go and eat it in this trailer on his own because he was ashamed of how he was treating his body but you know he he so he thought like doing these fad diets would work, and they they just didn't work for him because he still had this bad relationship with food and it wasn't until he changed that that he started to be able to improve it and then you know he started exercising and started feeling better and like there's there's this whole thing of um with with exercising if you get past the first like six weeks, then it's it's formed a habit mm-hmm. and again this goes into like the when you get into the whole fitness world, there's so many fucking horrible asshole people that are trying to sell you the ah you know if you can do this one little thing, it's gonna make you do this and it's gonna make you do that and blah blah, blah and try and sell you on this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And because of them, there's there's so many good bits of advice that get missed out on, and you know, it, it again it sounds so fucking stupid, but learning lessons from going to the gym and getting yourself healthier you can apply them to the rest of your life as well and let's say habit forming and things like that it can have such a massive impact because it's it's little things like you know it's habit forming is making sure that you you get a good night's sleep and you get up early and you know you you drink plenty of water you stay hydrated um but it's also like that just th- that self care and i think that that's probably the kind of the concept that i guess i'm i'm going into is Uh, the concept of self-care like I think all too often we think that it's got to be this huge change that we've got to do and it's a big scary thing and I I don't have time to to look after myself I'll just I'll look after everyone else instead and Mm -hmm. I mean Al you in particular are are a fucking nightmare for going like oh no I'm fine I'll I'll just Go and I'll come <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, I'll go and look after everyone else, and I'll take on all this extra work instead, because then I don't have to look after myself because I don't have the the time to do it. And I think forcing yourself to to make that time, even if it's just fucking once a week, is such an important thing because the. Uh, so a few years ago, my my dad had um he had kidney stones. Um and he went from being this... what,
0: staying hydrated.
1: Exactly. Um, he went from being this big fucking gorilla of a farmer to being this little frail old man, like within within a couple of months. And I mean, obviously it was because he was in pain constantly and all of this, but like seeing that that deterioration happen so fucking fast and realizing like shit, that's like I Like, he could suddenly go tomorrow and that would be it. And like, obviously, I you know, I broke my neck when I was 17 and realizing how fucking lucky I was with that and how quickly shit can just go. Like, yeah, I think for me, remembering to take a bit of time to to look after oneself is something that is forgotten way too often. And people look at it as being a selfish thing, but it's not, you know, because if, if you're not 100%, then you can't then help the other people. You can't be there for other people. So if you want to, if you want to be there and you want to look after and help other people, then you need to look after yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Self as wanky as it sounds, self-care is my spiff.
0: But so. not in that way, Brett. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think Ethan simply, if that's how you say his name, I think so. He yeah. doesn't have to worry about looking like Arnie, but I think he does have to worry about turning into Randy Savage. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen any pictures of him recently. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And now I just want to watch By Meets World.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last round starting with me. Yep. Yep. All right. Puzzles. You can look at that as everything from brain teasers to actual uh, what we think of like jigsaw puzzles. Or in my life, it has been things like lateral thinking problems or general thought exercises, things like crossword puzzles, cryptiquips, anything. Anything it doesn't necessarily have a visceral outcome, right? There's there's not a material outcome from most of the puzzle solving that I've done in my life, but it keeps my brain exercised, right? All puzzles are are a series of problem solving in <laughs> specific steps. Some people look at jigsaw puzzles and put the exteriors together, you know. The majority of people just put the borders around everything and then build inwards. You know, my grandpa used to love putting puzzles together when I was younger. And I never really understood why that was his hobby. I would go over to theirs and he would have been working all day and all week long, worked every day. And I'd go down into the basement and he had one lamp on his desk. That was the only light that was in the basement. So it was always very dark. And he'd just be hunched over a table, putting puzzles together, you know, (laughs) multi thousand piece puzzles that he's been working on for a month. He was great. He always could, like, find the pieces amid, amidst the stacks and stacks of things that look very similar. And it was always really impressive to me. But I don't think I put it together until a bit later on in life that that was his escape. I think puzzles happen to be that thing that it's, it's an escape, but always seems to have a benefit for me. For anybody that's been following along with the show or happened to be involved in the uh, Facebook group, I'd like to remind you guys of when oh. Red put out his puzzle-solving treasure hunt. I was blown away by it. And I all I wanted to do was solve this this amazing treasure hunt that Red was putting me uh, to task on. And I don't know how it ended up, to be honest. I don't know how many other people did either of you guys finish solving. Me and you got to the same place and then it never went any further. No, I finished
0: it. But <laughs> did you finish it?
2: Yeah, I I finished I didn't it. Even get the first clue.
0: I got to okay. pancakes in somewhere on a road. A specific road to pancake house or something.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well yeah, I I don't know if I'm the only one that finished or I know James was still <laughs> sticking with it a bit later, but you know, Red put time and effort into doing this thing. I obviously wanted to to see if I could solve it. But I've always been intrigued from a young age of this problem solving, this lateral thinking. This is a thing my uh I've talked about my teacher in school where I was in the quote unquote smart kids class. She used to do these lateral thinking problems to start off our classes because it just got our brains going, right? That was her thing. She was like, we just need to turn the brains on and just get them moving. So it would be a random like Sherlock Holmesian problem solving where you just needed to ask questions to sort out clues so then you could figure out what the problem was. I loved those and I happened to be the one that would get them going or, or get them right more often than not and it always confused me because the people that were sitting next to me on paper were so much smarter than me i always compared myself to these people who just like i i don't know how the geometry works or i don't know how the calculus works that they're doing but i know how to solve the problem about what made the girl sick in the woods because I asked the right questions and found the right clues. I think puzzle solving, whether it's, you know, I know there's apps on the phone now for crossword puzzles. I think there is something that can be really appreciated about the visceral holding a a puzzle in front of you or solving a puzzle with the tactile nature of putting pieces in. You know, there's there's nothing more fulfilling than finding the last piece of a puzzle on a table, on your coffee table and going click, you know, it's an amazing feeling. But I think deeper than that, it's it's problem solving, pattern recognition. Zelda, uh, to go back <laughs> to my last, to step, it, it like is a Zelda. series of of puzzle solving. It's you know people refer to it as the term dungeon crawler, but. So many games that came after the original Zelda started to realize that solving a series of clues or solving a series of puzzles could get you to the thing. And it was very fulfilling to the user to solve the problem, to progress through the adventure. Take that to a much wider scope way of thinking. I look at my life as a series of problem solving to get to the next thing, right? It's it's not a far reach for me to figure out problem solving solution level up. I think I, puzzle I solving it. is spiffing and I think more people should find whatever the thing is that speaks to you puzzle wise. I mm-hmm. liked crossword puzzles for for a long time it was just mm-hmm. crossword puzzles cuz I got them every week in the in the newspaper and I realized that they were reusing a lot of the same clues and then it started <laughs> to lose its luster for me but You know i i don't know if you guys do that i know we don't want to keep expanding at the end of everything but is there any other example of like puzzle solving that you guys can think of no i i love the 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 physical
0: puzzles i i when we when we went to the kitchens we used to always do the puzzles in the paper every day it was just a really nice bonding thing um yeah and and but to your point brett until you realize that the same public publishing houses make a lot of the same newspapers and you're just using the same (laughs) shit over and over again yeah um that something that absolutely fascinates me, I think it's MIT once a year do the treasure hunt. Mm-hmm. Um and it just looks like the fucking most satisfying, exciting, like <laughs> stressful, fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it always makes me you know, I love I love escape rooms. If yeah, if someone oh! good ones <laughs> I wrote that down on yeah. her, it's um rooms. you can have very, very bad escape rooms. Um but yes. if if you've never done one and wondered what they're about and have maybe watched the crystal maze, Brett, <laughs> um, go and do a escape room. Because I think that that is, again, it's like no rules. You've yeah. got to work it out. It's that the whoever's sick in the woods analogy that you use, but it's like yeah. you have to work it out for yourself. It's not like school. It's not like algebra. It's not like academic smarts. It's like I need to work it out for myself. And I think that's yeah. what's great about solving puzzles. There's no clues on a Rubik's cube. You know it's just you've you've got to get tactile with it and get hands on so I, I i'm the same i love nice i love puzzles for that yeah and in games i love a puzzle in a game like tomb raider's great running around shooting things with a bow and arrow but then when yeah. there's like a puzzle to solve you're like right now we're talking yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah.
1: i like that see i we because obviously again the same sort of thing like working in pubs we used to do the like especially on a sunday everyone would just sit around and, and do the crossword and yeah. Like that was always good fun, but I, I I don't know. I never really got on with the kind of more academic puzzles like that. Like for me, it was, my my brain just doesn't work like that, but you give me a a physical puzzle something like, like, say like an escape room or something like that. Like, and that, that to me is what, is what making is. That's what mechanics is. That's, that's what I enjoy about it is kind of like
0: getting in and, and figuring it out. Um, I wonder if there's like a mechanics escape room. If not, there should be. Definitely. Where you've got to, like, you know, rebuild something to get out and, and yeah. the mechanics and stuff. Oh, that'd be
2: great. That would be so yeah. amazing. Um, <laughs> Steve, have you got the hydraulics sorted out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah come on. Hold on. Hand me the spinner. Yeah.
1: Spanner. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, like my, my dream when I was younger was to go on something like uh, Crystal Maze because it just looks so much fun. Oh, the fucking the Krypton Factor. Can you yeah. remember the Krypton Factor? I used to fucking love that as a kid. Um, right, Al. What about your
0: next spiff? my spiff is conceptual ooh, and it totally reverses everything we've ever talked about on full with, with tools ooh. the proper tool for the job
2: ooh. ooh
0: so we've preached about you know making do and using things that they shouldn't do and being clever and being smart um and being creative with tools, and that's not their intended purpose, but like. As I kind of grow up, I realize that sometimes it's just the perfect tool for the job. Yeah. And yes, everything's a hammer. But do you know what's a really good hammer? A hammer. Yeah. And do you know what's a really good hammer when you're roofing? A roofing hammer. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're tiling and when you want to do a tiny little pin. Yeah. There's whole hammers for all these different things. And they're all very specific and they've been designed that way. Yeah. Um, I've got a list of specific tools to give you an example. Three Ooh. examples. A potato ricer. Yes. We've not, we've not talked about food for a while. Right. You can mash potatoes with a potato masher. Of course you can. Yeah. You can mash them with a spatula or anything that's big and clunky. You can mash them with a fork. You can throw potatoes in a fucking food processor if you want potato puree. But until you've eaten or used a potato rice to make mashed potato, you don't understand what mashed potato is. And it's a game changer. Mm, so for yeah. the sake of 15 quid or however much potato mashes are now, after the great potato mash shortage of (laughs) 2020. Um, Get one. Use correct potatoes that are floury, because, again, there's a correct potato for the job. Oh, my God, yes. If you use white potatoes because they're big and you're lazy and you can't be bothered to to peel them, everything will be watery because they're grown to have a high water content, so they're big. So people think they're getting big baked potatoes. Don't buy those. No. Get a King Edward or a mice pipe or something that's floury, got high starch content. I I sent uh I I'm one
1: hundred percent with you on that. I sent Ben out to get uh
2: Steve is so excited.
1: No, I'm so angry. I sent Ben out the other day because we were doing um I can't remember what it was, but I was doing, doing mash with it. Oh, that's it. I I did the the gluten-free uh toad in the hole yeah. and was doing mash with it and said to Ben, I'll just go out and grab some Maris Pipers.
0: And he came back with white
1: potatoes i was like no that's not the same fucking
0: thing that's not the same thing um again there's a specific potato for the job yeah um number two a breaker bar so whenever i saw anyone use or talk about a breaker bar i was always a bit confused i was like they were talking about it as if it was a tool and i was like what you just mean like a pipe or like a long spanner (laughs) why are you talking about this thing as if like you have to go and get the brake like i was using the ratchet i was using the wrench and i've got to get the brake as if it's a different thing yeah um and then they came they'd come with it and it was just a bar and i was like what why why, what what are you talking about what am i breaking um until you've tried to remove um like (laughs) seized on brake calipers on that have obviously not been removed for 30 years off a fucking rusty car and you lose all your knuckles, try to take them off. And you use a flame, like a, a, a torch and yeah. you use all the penetrating fluid <laughs> that you can. And <laughs> then you just go and spend 10 bucks on a specific tool for the job with the right size head. Yep. And then even further, even more specific, you get the proper fucking socket. Yeah. It doesn't have 12 points as six points because you get yep. more grip. And you do what about five points? Five points. And within seconds, you these bolts are off. Yeah. And you're like, why was it and now there's a flip side to that story, even though it's an analogy, is that maybe you don't appreciate things until you do it the wrong way first. Yeah. So maybe don't go out and buy the breaker straight away. Maybe lose all your knuckles and then go and buy the (laughs) breaker. And that that can be applied to all things. But again, specific deal for the job. (laughs) Uh, and lastly, the correct application of paints and paint-like substances. Yes. So if you buy a paintbrush that says multi-purpose or any paint, you are in for a bad <laughs> day, right? And it probably came in a multi-pack and was probably cheap. Um like brussel brush bristles, Brussels. <laughs> are specifically formulated and they have specific lengths and specific densities and specific patterns and specific feathering and angles for the type of paint that you're using for a reason because yeah. the paint formulations from water-based emulsions to oil-based lacquers they all behave differently and they all have different viscosities and drying times <laughs> and the paintbrush is fucking purposefully made for that thing and again it's like oh but that's 12 pounds for paintbrush and it's like yeah it might be but i'm assuming you're painting something that's going to be painted for several years yeah maybe for a loved one or in your home and you probably just spent a hundred bucks on paint why are you cheaping out on a paintbrush we've all done it i've done it yep get the proper rollers it's the same that roller is for oil paint that roller is for gloss paint for a reason that roller is for matte paint that's for eggshell and the napping and the shag (laughs) on those rollers is deliberately fucking that length and density and texture and material. That one's sponge for a reason. Not because it's cheaper than cotton or wool, because it's for a specific type of paint. Use it. And this also transcends to spray paints, like the nozzles. (laughs) And so you realize that different nozzles do different things for different paints and different applications. It will open up a world of pleasure for you. Yeah, and you will realize that you've been doing it wrong all this time, and I don't mean in an internet meme way. I mean in you will now enjoy painting. Yeah, yeah. And again, hundred percent. This is a metaphor. It applies to all things. Use the proper tool for the job. Yeah. Yes. I mean- use an angle grinder upside down to sharpen knives. That's hilarious. <laughs> but also use a belt grinder because it's a lot yeah. easier.
1: Yeah. I, and again, it. I think like. It depends on on the 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 thing that you're trying to do, but like, yeah, if you just if you just want to get something sharp, then yeah, use the angle grinder upside down. If you <laughs> if you're doing a fucking carving knife, then use the grinder properly. And the same with the paint, and the same, and even down to like consumables and stuff like that. Like,
0: yeah,
1: I mean, I I, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when I used um, Montana for the first time, and it was like, holy fuck, this is so much better and so much easier, and. I think there is a lot to be said for doing it the wrong way first, um, but even down to just like using a, a chisel that's actually sharp rather than just going, "eh, it's sharp enough." It's only a bit of wood. Like the difference that
0: that the right tool can make is immense. Um, on that, sorry, just to build on paint and paint ancillaries. Yes. So masking tape. Yeah. Buy the correct, good masking tape for what Arc. you're doing. It might be five times the price of the value masking tape, but it's five but, times better for a reason. Yeah, exactly. And I'm assuming you're trying to mask something. Yeah. The clues in the name, buy the fucking blue expensive masking tape. Or or the green one. Or the green one. Or the yellow one, if you're extra yeah. fancy. Yeah. Do it properly. Um, yeah, no, 100%. Like there, there are
1: times when it's okay to skimp on shit like that, but it, it's like that whole saying of like a good workman never blames his tools. That's right. That's because the good workman's probably bought the right tool for the right job. Yeah. Like, mm.
0: yeah. And I'm not saying expensive tool. I'm just saying the right, the correct yeah. tool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I
1: mean, that, that's the thing is you, you can have a, a shit cheap chisel, but you can still sharpen it. Like,
0: okay. yeah. You just go uh, sharpen it each time you use it. That's all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: uh, right. I am going to move on to the last spiff. And I kind of deliberated with this one a little bit because I wanted to get in a a person uh because i've done a couple of concepts (laughs) don't we all yeah (laughs) um i wanted to get in a a maker um and stop it (laughs) and uh and like there was there was a few people like the obvious people that you know you could have gone with could have gone with red because it's red you could have gone with Laura because you know the fucking shit that she does and and everything else like you could have gone with Jimmy because it's jimmy but i wanted to go with someone that's a bit more specific to particularly our group and i know i talked to talked earlier on about um uh teachers and bad teachers and I'll <laughs> know who i'm gonna go for already uh and sometimes you come across someone that is a really fucking good teacher and that is of course our very own mr andy Pugh, who is just fucking wonderful. Um, and i'm not even spiffing him because of something he's made or anything else it's just his attitude his um his constant supportive nature the the interactions that i have never had a bad interaction with him um i've never seen him be any anything but supportive uh unless he's taken a piss out of someone like rasmus but that's understandable um and every time i see him having an interaction with anyone else it's always positive he's a fucking inspiration on how to be better as a person um and yeah i mean a- everything that he does from like you know the the tales uh, the thoughts from the tinkerage um little podcast thing that he does that's it's an occasional podcast it comes out every now and then um <laughs> it's it's well worth a listen it's it's quite a nice one like sometimes they're really nice and short and sometimes they're a little bit longer um he's yeah he's just a a, a thoroughly fucking nice bloke and I am very glad to have him as part of our group um and I think he's a an excellent representative of of how good this community can be yeah, um, yeah. so yeah uh Andy Pugh is uh spiffing. Hello? Any other business, gentlemen?
0: Yeah, I've got three quadrants. No, um, Wait, Hang on, three quadrants? Yeah, no, you're not through, yeah. Um, <laughs> the first one is a public service announcement. Do your YouTube tax form. You've got two weeks left. I'll keep banging on about it. Oh, fuck. Just do it. Second one is an anti-spiff. For anyone on Facebook Marketplace, if your name is like Connor or Kyle or Kieran or Blaine or any of those like millennial chav names, (laughs) if you're advertising something that you're selling, fucking sell it and advertise it and do it. Just don't put things up there that you're not willing to. If you put a vehicle up to break, fucking break it and sell me the parts because like a dozen people I've contacted who just either don't reply yeah. or can't be bothered or don't understand what they're doing. Yeah. Just fuck off. Take it down. Take your, take your advert down. Yeah. If it's, if it's, if you're not willing to sell it.
1: And also don't respond fucking six weeks later and go, Oh, it's still for sale. Or,
0: or the opposite or oh, sold mate. Well, take the fucking advert down then. Yeah. Lastly, this is a little mini spiff and it's a request, right? My best friend at school called Pete. Um, Oi, Pete. Oi, Pete. He's very much kindred spirits um creative makers artists and skaters and then he kind of left life and went somewhere else and he moved to new york and um he's trying to pursue an acting career
1: Ooh.
0: um and He's he's occasionally like he, – I think he was like an extra in like some of some uh, Infinity War because he's he's big lad. He's yeah. like 6'4". Yeah. And he always goes to the gym and stuff. And he's like – he very much like changes his body shape every few months. He's yeah. like built like a British shit house skinny athlete. You know, he's, he, he's a yeah. that. Um, into his strongman stuff as well. But he's tried to do this acting thing. And he's always been like a comedian and, a, you know, attention on me, spotlight kind of guy. And he's done a few like amateur films, and he's like got the English accent, so I think they love him over in the states. Yeah. And then I was watching YouTube yesterday, and an advert came on for TikTok, so like an advert for TikTok, not a TikTok. Yeah. And it was him. Ah. And he was just in a kitchen doing some sort of like life hack or something. Yeah. Not like Ben would do something. Yeah. And it was over like that because it was like a TikTok thing, so it's like fifteen seconds, and I didn't have time to. Record it or screen grab it or anything, and it's not on his Instagram. It's not even on his TikTok. <laughs> and, I don't, and and for the life of me, I think I'm hallucinating because it was like the middle of the night. So if anybody is watching YouTube and a video comes on of a bald English guy who looks like a stone statue, right? Probably in his underpants in a kitchen <laughs> with a lemon. You need to screen grab it or record it or send it to me. Because I think I'm imagining it. But it's my mate. And I'll put his i I'll put his account and shit in the show. In case anyone's yeah. after an actor or a second like a, yeah. a sporting actor or anything. Um I'll put his details in the show, But he's called Pete and he lives in New York. <laughs> and for some reason he was on my television. <laughs>
1: I definitely. Think it really, you just really, place. it really. Co-
0: no, and he was in his underpants in a kitchen, doing <laughs> something a with lemon. a lemon. Something with a lemon. It was like a. It was like a life hack. You know, like you, you're peeling lemons wrong. It was one of those things. And I was like, "What, what is? Why what, was he, why he holding is, a lemon in his?" No idea. I wasn't paying attention. But it was my mate, <laughs> my sake. best mate from school. <laughs> Amazing. If yep. anybody sees this advert, please screen grab it me. Or anything, because <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't go back and find the adverts that are on YouTube for some no. reason. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Even if you like reload, it's then a different advert. So I need to know that a I'm not insane, but also it'd be nice to see my friend in his underwear. Yeah. Did you have one more? That was three. In which
1: case, uh to make it up to an actual quadrant, in case anybody hasn't yet seen it, the new season of Love, Death, and Robots series. is on. Netflix now, uh, so go check it out because the first one was fucking brilliant. Although, I think it was the
0: third I remember the remember what the woman says. There's something like fluff and fold, motherfucker. Yes! Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 yes! That was fucking hilarious. I pissed myself at that. But yeah, I think, I think it was the one directly after that that was just fucking heartbreaking. No, I've um, seen that. i watched the first one. Ah, uh, Okay yeah um go go watch it and if you haven't seen the first series go and watch that as well because there's some fucking gems on this i'm I'm glad i'm glad you
0: any other business that steve because that was gonna be one of my spiffs but I, i relegated it
1: yeah it's it's just fucking great it's a really good way of seeing lots of different shorts like uh uh al spiffed the youtube channel dust uh a little while back i say a little while back like two years ago um and it's the same sort of thing like lots of just short really cool concept films um it kind of goes in with a lot of what we've been talking about i i would liken really
0: it more to the animatrix than to dust yes yeah just yeah, is great. a lot of yeah. filler whereas i yeah. think i think love love death and robots has been very well curated yeah mm-hmm. yeah 100 um
1: but yeah go check that out uh right so unless there is anything else um if you want to find us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Metaworks or on YouTube at The Forge. You can find Breck at Skull and Spade 13 and you can find Al at
0: Al's Hack Shack. Probably in Dave's garage looking through all these old tools. Yeah, in his oh. underwear holding a lemon. Um,
1: <laughs> if you want to find us as a group, uh, we are Fools with Tools, obviously. The clue is in the title name. Whatever. Uh, and uh, FWT Podcast in all the the places. Um, Go look at the thumbnails on Instagram if they don't pop up in your podcast app thing.
0: Uh, because... Yes, can we address this? Yes. Lack of SoundCloud notifications for listeners. What? People who listen regularly on SoundCloud are not getting notifications anymore. It's obviously just pulling a YouTube thing and not doing what it's supposed to do. Ah. So I'm just running there's any way we can help or offer alternative platforms for listeners. For instance, Google Music or iTunes. Yeah, I I use the Google Podcast app. It's a good app. Uh, but I also don't have
1: notifications turned on for most things because I just open the thing and
0: and listen. It comes out every week on Wednesday yeah. or Thursday.
1: Yeah. basically, if you want to listen to us, just just go go have a look, see if we're there. Yeah, and to be fair, normally when the podcast is out, if you follow us on Instagram. Uh, we'll put the thumbnail up on there. Flash um,
0: Facebook. John will do it the same in the group. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Go check out those things. I think... Uh, was that it? Was that everything? was so,
0: fucking more than enough. I think that's it was enough.
1: enough. Yeah. Cool. Uh, right. In which case, uh, we will speak to you all next week. We love you. You're all fucking spiffing. Bye. We're
0: spiffing.